All right, welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Katie Halper. And this is a, a bonus episode yep. of uh, useful, Useful-er yes, Idiots. extremely useful uh, idiots. Because yeah. we're, we have a special guest. We're going to be talking to Senator Bernie Sanders today. No do, big deal. We're going to do a little quick react with, with Bernie and talk a little bit about the debate uh, mm-hmm. last night. Obviously, if you follow on Twitter, uh, you probably know I'm not in the best shape today. A uh, l- little hungover because of the debate drinking game which you you've become really well known for these things this is like i mean you write award-winning books and you do investigative journalism and hard-hitting stuff but i feel like maybe you'll be remembered yeah later. you know when you're no longer with us you on, may be on my gravestone there'll be two things there'll be vampire squid right. and he was drunk for debates right exactly repeatedly. the problem with the drinking game is you make even one rule and the politicians do it so often that you end up taking you know 15 shots for one rule. So it's last night was bad. Right. So you just so everyone knows you do these you, you've done this for a while now. You do drinking games to prepare in advance of a debate or an event and then everyone follows along with you, right? Yeah, exactly. Like so if you if you spot a trend in in the in the stump speeches, you know, the first debate for instance, a rule was you had to drink every time they said existential threat because right. they were all saying that or fundamentally there was a th- there was a period where everybody was saying fundamentally yeah. cages Right. Uh, you know, I, I didn't do racist because that's you you'll know, just your you liver will be shot. You may die. Yeah. Like so in real time. what happened yeah. last night was we it started off slow, like not many of the rules were hitting. So I added one early, which was let me be clear. And here's a short list of the here's Warren says. So let's be clear about health care. Warren again says, so let's be clear. We just need to be clear about what Medicare for all is about. Sanders, let us be clear, Joe. Warren, so let's be clear about this. And it just went on and right. on and on and on, you know. So I, I went through like probably a six pack and a half of red stripe just on let's be clear. Right. So that was uh, it was bad last night. Anyway, what did you think of the debate? I mean, I think I actually got kind of bored. I enjoyed your drinking game more than the debate. <laughs> I didn't play along because I thought one of us maybe should be somewhat uh, coherent. Of course. I'm I'm not as coherent. It has nothing to do with the alcohol. <laughs> Speaking of which, one of your drinking games was Biden fails to make sense, which I feel like that that was like kind of irresponsible for you to do. Yeah, like probably caused a lot of blackouts. So I had three levels of Biden rules. There was Biden fails to make sense. Biden says something offensive, and then there's the third one, which is Biden speaks in Tanktonese, which is right. the, uh, the the language they used in Alien Nation. Which yeah. uh, he he reached that level once in the last debate. He didn't get there last night. So, no. um, but he, he he had a couple of. I mean, his answers are amazing. You know, if you yeah, they're poet, they're art. Yeah, I, I actually ended down. up writing a, a spoken word oh, poem after it. last night. This is this is a spoken word poem. It's called Joe Biden's Answer, and here it goes. It goes. Look, here's the thing. It's 1968. I got a job as a public defender. Dr. King assassinated, occupied by the National Guard for 10 months, bought the Baker's Banquet album, Prague Spring. I'm not wearing any pants. I'm the vice president of the United States. Banks should have to lend where they are. I like it. You like it? Yeah, it's That's very good. That's basically it's like this string of unconnected things that he says, right? Yeah. And you think... It's actually your fault that you can't follow him. Exactly. I saw you, you said that last night. Like, you feel bad about it. It's victim blaming, though, right. really, at the end of the day. I mean, that's what it is. If, there, you, if you think it's your fault, don't I mean, do that, man. It it's, it's not you, being, it's Biden. Yeah, don't, I mean, it was like being in college when you, you know, you're stoned and you, you can't follow it, so you think it's your fault. Right, right, right. You get right? paranoid and self doubting yeah. and what is, is this, yeah, is yeah. this me no, or is it? It's not it the, you, it's Biden, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. And so, um, what did you think of Castro last night? I like Castro, I have to say. I mean, I, I always I he, I love when he went after Beto. Um, this time he really went after Joe. 
he actually said, you know, did you not remember what you said two minutes ago? And then he got into all this trouble. Yeah. Which is like, what's the point of a pri- of a debate if you're just going to be like patting each other on the back, which is what I think some people want. It's, but I understand it because if if people like Biden, you got to protect the guy. Well, I, I thought that was a that was a, a wild moment because so he says that right. Yeah. It was pretty clear what he was doing. He was sort of raising the specter of Alzheimer's there, right? right. Basically, can you not remember what you said two right. minutes ago? Yeah. It's you know, it's not a, a secret what he was doing there. So Budicic, you know, interrupts, hawk, and yeah. he's basically like, hey, you know, why can't we all get along? This is exactly why people. Don't right. like politics. Right. First of all, he's wrong. That's that's the only reason we yeah. watch debates, right. right? This is you know because for moments like the rest of it is like you know driving, putting a railroad spike through your head, yeah. right? You wouldn't want to watch it for any reason, right? So Castro immediately, it's like a putback dunk, right? He he, he basically was like, "Fuck that kumbaya shit. This yeah. is this is an election. We're we're here to try to win, and we have to draw distinctions, and we have to point things out, and I thought that was a good moment. I mean, he didn't back down and pander to the audience, so I thought that was good. Yeah, me too. Um, And also, it's not not ageist. I mean, Sanders is older than Biden, but he knows how to conjugate and say things that aren't totally offensive. That's Uh, true, yeah. yeah. So it's not an age thing. It really is like a, you know, uh, a neuroplasticity thing. Yeah, no, I mean, when Sanders speaks, or for that matter, you know, Trump is as old as as these guys. I mean, the, the well, I guess it's not really true. Trump. Trump does speak in sentences that are not necessarily connected. Right. To each other. Another poet. He also can be a poet. Yeah. Exactly. You poet, could do yeah. spoken word. Trump. That would be kind of interesting too. Yeah. We got to do that. Yeah. I used to do that with Bush. I would just said. I would just say what he said. Yeah. Oh, those I were miss, hilarious. Yeah. 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 I missed. You missed the Bush videos. Like those, like Bush mashup. Yeah. I mean, Bushisms. I really do remember him dancing. Dan- dancing. That was great. Mayor Pete is like such a suck up, though. I'm sorry. Like, I feel like Castro and Mayor Pete are the kind, and and Warren are all, the people who are like raise their hand and sit in the front of the class. Oh yeah, but like yeah. Pete didn't he, didn't he get that the, a teacher's pet? Somebody called him a teacher's pet. <laughs> really? They? Yeah. Who? Which one? Pete Mayor or, Pete. Yeah. yeah. I have a little bit of a distraction problem with him because he he reminds me he looks so much a like Woodchuck. No, he looks oh. like the coach of the Celtics, Brad Stevens, and it just I I can't stop thinking about that. I guess it's like, I guess that's not a thing. It's not going to be important. Well, yeah, some I don't know sports, but it could be for right. someone else. I I think he looks like a woodchuck, which actually makes him adorable or chipmunk. He does. A, he has that woodland critter. Yeah. Thing. Which, which is one of the things I like about him, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He just screams running mate to me. I don't know. Uh, don't you think that's that's going to be... Maybe not. It depends. Yeah. What, what's up with uh, Cory Booker? He's like so wholesome in his what he says, but he has a very kind of like, he looks like he could just well, strangle you with his bare hands. Yeah. His eyes open. They're I like the size of softballs. And it looks yeah. like he's trying to eat your head while, yeah. he's, while he's talking, which I kind of like. You know, yeah, the, me the, too. The, it's the, one of the things the I like about him. It, yeah. You know, I kind of want people to think this, the president of the United States is, gonna, is going to eat me. Right. right? Yeah. So wait, we got to have him and the woodchuck. Yeah, yeah, you I mean, combine I, the big, you know, the big teeth and the threatening look and you got some cannibalistic. Uh, they're going to run on the cannibal line. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Booker Budicic, we will we will eat your remains. We will we will eat you. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be there. your remains 2020. Yeah, 2020, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, what else happened last night? Oh, so uh Booker unveiled a new campaign uh, catchphrase, Dagnabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had a double Dagnabbit last night, which was interesting. Um, and what about Bed, um, Beto's big thing? You know, after saying that, dropping the f bomb forever, he he just drops a hell. Yeah, so he he tried to he, he tried to sort of make it sound like he was going to say drop the f bomb, and he just he he downshifted into yeah. hell. 
which was weak. Which is um, kind of him in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. And what about Yang's surprise? What was it? Basically, he he said he announced that he was going to give a thousand dollars to ten to ten people, um, or was it ten thousand dollars to one person? One person. I don't remember. The yet. Oprah. He pulled an Oprah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it seems like an inefficient use of resources. Right. Like you could probably buy votes more cheaply than that. Um, yeah. No. Last night was an interesting night. I think Castro probably he's going to get a little bump from that. Yeah. I, w- I would think Bernie had he's a tough good. night. I mean, I think he sounded yeah. like he was in Houdini's water tank. Right. Yeah. Know? Um. Biden didn't have a complete meltdown. I mean, right. he was just him. Right. So, Biden was Biden. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't seem to hurt him. And then, yeah. Um, I, I did like. I thought it was cute. I know it's corny, but I thought it was cute when Warren was like, "I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I lined up my dollies and." And taught them I had a reputation of tough but fair. Right. Yeah. 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 To, she was tough but fair to her dollies. Dollies, yeah. Okay, yeah. I like that. That's yeah, it was good, yeah. All right. Anyway, they were all horrible last night. It was a negatively entertaining spectacle. And uh, it'll be interesting to hear what Senator Sanders yeah. has to say about it. Yeah. All right, well, uh, coming right up, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Hey, hello. Hello, Senator. Hey, Matt, how are you? How are you doing? Great. Other than not having a strong voice, I lost <laughs> my voice in... In Denver, I forgot there was a microphone, so there you go. Are you not feeling well? Did you have a, a sickness? No, or? I'm feeling I'm feeling fine. It's just that I've been doing too many speeches, I think. We won't take, take up too much of your time. I just want to talk a little bit about the debate last night and a few other things. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of things that were interesting last night. Um, one of the themes, I think, with regard to you, a couple of the candidates, uh, Secretary Castro, Senator Harris, they both uh, sort of dropped this line about how we want to thank... Uh, Senator Sanders, thank you. Give you credit for your you know, moving the Medicare debate, but the, the subtext of it was essentially, you know, we'll take it from here. Thanks a lot, Bernie. We'll take we'll take it from here. Where, where do they want to take it, and why is that a bad idea? What, what's 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 the difference between what you're saying and Look, what they're saying? Well, thanks for asking that question, man. Mm-hmm. Look, at the end of the day, we have to make a fundamental decision in this country. Number one is healthcare a human right? Or is it not? If it is a human right, then we guarantee health care to every man, woman, and child, regardless of income. And what we say is, if you're sick, if you need a checkup, you go to any doctor you want to, you go to any hospital you want to, and you don't have to take out your credit card, you don't have to pay a nickel out of your pocket for that visit. Because that's what health care is, if we talk about it as a human right. That's what exists in Canada. That's what exists in most industrialized countries around the world. And then the second point is we have to ask ourselves, which my opponents are not, is why is it that we are spending twice as much per person on health care as the people of any other country? I mean, that's a profound statement. I got all these conservatives here. They want to save money. We're spending $11,000 a year per person on health care, twice what the Canadians spend, what the French spend, what the Germans spend. They manage to cover all of their people. And the answer is pretty obvious. It gets to the whole heart and soul of this debate. Is the function of health care to make $100 billion in profit for the health care industry, which is what they made last year? Is it to make billions of dollars in profits for the drug companies, the medical equipment suppliers? Or is the function of healthcare to provide healthcare to all people in a cost-effective way? So last night it was interesting. Before the debate, there was a pharmaceutical lobby, the Partnership for America's Healthcare. 
um, future. They were they sort of were urging candidates to equate Medicare for all with the, with raising middle class taxes or a middle class tax hike. And right on cue, Vice President Biden does that. I mean, is that going to be a new talking point that you're going to have to deal with with Medicare Absolutely. for all? Absolutely. He is echoing what the health in- industry wants him to say. So here is the point. Let me say it again. I give just one example. I talked to a guy a couple last week was who works for a large company, as a matter of fact, and he has pretty good health insurance. So we chatted. This is the story. Like millions of other Americans, he's a family of four, I believe. He is paying $1,000 a month in premiums, and he has a $4,000 deductible. That means, in his case, he is spending $16,000 a year. This is not to mention what his employer is paying, which is probably an equal amount. But he's paying $16,000 a year out of his own pocket before he pays a gets a nickel of coverage from his insurance company. Now, Joe Biden may think that he's delighted. This guy is delighted to pay these premiums. And the answer is that whether you pay premiums or whether you're paying taxes, you're paying money out of your own pocket. On the Medicare for all, that guy and virtually everybody in America will be spending less on their health care because there are no more premiums under my bill, no more out-of-pocket expenses, no more co-payments, and nobody in America will pay more than $200 a year for prescription drugs. So if you are upset that under a Bernie Sanders proposal, in his case, you'll pay whatever it may be. I'm being hypothetical here. You'll pay $9,000 a year out of your pocket in taxes as opposed to $16,000 a year in premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. Fine. But I don't think that guy will be upset about it. I think he will be delighted about it. So uh, that is what the issue is. And it is really disturbing that we have Democratic candidates who are echoing the talking points of the healthcare industry, which, let us not forget, made $100 billion in profits last year and will be spending hundreds of millions of dollars to try to defeat my proposal. You talk a lot about movement politics, and of course your your motto is not me, us. Um, what will the movement have to do when you're president to um, keep you responsible to the movement, to keep your feet to the fire, which is something I'm sure you want the movement to do, but what, what are they going to have to do just so we can prepare? Well, Katie... We are living in an unprecedented moment in American history, and it's not just the racism and the pathological lying and the the sexism and the homophobia of Donald Trump. It goes beyond that. And that is, and I'm the only candidate, I think, who talks about this consistently. And I know, you know, Matt, you guys have been writing about this for years. You're some of the few people in America who write about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that is, we are looking not only at the incredible greed of the corporate elite, but the corruption of the corporate elite and the power of the corporate elite. So you're talking about Wall Street, you're talking about six banks that have assets equivalent to half of the GDP in this country, more than $10 trillion, banks that borrow money at 2.5% and charge people 25%, 30% interest rates on their credit cards. You're talking about a drug the drug companies who are involved in price fixing, they're now you know, under assault in court cases right now for selling opiates to the American people when they knew that those opiates were addictive. You're talking about the drug, the, the insurance industry charging us the highest prices in the world. 
You're talking about the fossil fuel industry knowingly, knowingly producing a product that is destroying the planet. What can you say about that? So you're talking about corruption. You're talking about greed. You're talking about incredible power. And when we talk about the debate last night and every other debate that I have been on, these are issues we're not allowed to talk about. No commentator, no moderator has ever asked me about the power of the corporate elite, the corruption of the corporate elite, and how you deal with that issue. And obviously, that is at the heart and soul of what this campaign is about. So, Katie, to answer your question, what I have said, and I think you've heard me say this a million times, is no president, not Bernie Sanders, anybody else, can do it alone. Because these people have unlimited amounts of money. They control the corporate media. They have unbelievable power. The only way we defeat them is with the president of the United States who is prepared to stand up to them. But behind that president has got to be an unprecedented grassroots movement of millions of people who are telling the insurance companies, sorry, everybody in this country will have health care as a human right, telling the fossil fuel industry, sorry, your short-term profits are not more important than the future of this planet, telling the drug companies, sorry, we're not going to die because we cannot afford the outrageous prices of your medicine. Only way we accomplish that is with a mass movement. That is what this campaign is about. And what is the mass movement going to look like? Does that mean protests? Does that mean running for office? That means mobilizing millions of people to run for office, absolutely, to make it clear in a way that does not happen right now. I'll give you an example. Uh, last month, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, challenging McConnell to bring up gun safety legislation to bring up the bills passed in the House that raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour, uh, to bring up uh, let the legislation passed in the House, which will do the best that we can to prevent Russian intervention in our elections. Kentucky, it turns out, is a poor state. It is a state where people are struggling. And yet you got a senator there from Kentucky, not only McConnell, but Rand Paul, in a poor state that believe in massive tax breaks for the rich and cuts to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, education, environmental protection. How does that happen? How do you have a poor state, a struggling state, electing people who represent the interests of the rich and the powerful and ignore the needs of the vast majority of the people in that state? And what the political revolution is about is going into those states. And I've been into Kentucky, got a lot of support there, going into West Virginia another poor state, going into so-called red states and blue states and rallying the working class of this country. Here is the main point that I try to make all over this country. The ideas that I am talking about, raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour, health care for all, making public colleges and universities tuition-free, canceling student debt, dealing with climate change aggressively, these are not radical ideas. These are ideas that the working class of this country supports. Problem is, we have a lot of people who are not voting. We've got to get them voting. We have a lot of young people who are very, very progressive, who are not involved in the political process. We've got to get them involved. And the only way you do that is by having the ideas, the movement that brings them into the political process. And that's what we are working on day after day right now. I want to talk a little bit about what your strategy would be if you were the, in, in the general election, if you were the nominee, as opposed to the other candidates. A lot, a lot of the candidates 
uh, both in the last race and uh, in this year already, that fall in the, into the trap when they're campaigning against Donald Trump of, of trading insults with him, getting into this endless cycle of barbs, and the media loves to cover that stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you have a little bit of a different strategy. You, you, you don't seem to want to engage Trump on that level. You, you always seem to want to continue talking to voters almost past him at all times, just focus on the issues, focus on your message of, of uh, corporate power. If you were the nominee, how would you deal with Donald Trump differently from the other candidates? Well, I think, Matt, that what you said is, is basically correct. I, I think on one hand, you cannot ignore his pathological lying, his racism, his sexism, his xenophobia, his religious bigotry. I mean, you can't do that. You have to defend people who are being attacked by this racist president. But on the other hand, if you become obsessed, and I think this is the point you're making, if you become obsessed with Donald Trump's tweets, you fall into his trap. So I think the main point we make when we go to states like Michigan, when you go to Wisconsin, when you go to Pennsylvania, when you go to Florida, is you say to the working people of those states, you know what? Not only is this guy a liar, he's a fraud. He told you. That he was going to stand with the working class of this country. He told you he was going to take on Wall Street and the drug companies and the insurance companies. Well, the evidence is clear. He lied to you. You don't stand with the working class when you try to throw 32 million people off of health insurance. You don't stand with the working class of this country when 83% of the tax benefits that you push for, that you succeeded in getting, go to the top 1% at the end of 10 years. You're not standing with the working class. You remember... Matt and Katie, that when he campaigned, he said, I'm a different type of Republican. I'm not going to cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Absolute lie. His budget does exactly that. So I think, you you know, he said, I want American companies not to go abroad. Well, he's producing products for his own company abroad. Oh, my God, it's terrible that we have all these undocumented people in this country. I hate undocumented people. Oh, yeah? Well, they're working in your companies. They're working at your resorts, Donald Trump. You're a goddamn liar. Forgive me. No, I say that. <laughs> Everybody's using profanity that. now. Right. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know, that, that's what you you expose them is the fraud. Here he is hiring undocumented people in his own resorts after he is, you know, ranting and raving and demonizing undocumented people. So I think that is the point that you make to working class people. He lied to you. And, you know, I think we also have to understand, you know, you've heard me say this a million times, Matt. Mm -hmm. and, and that is... To my mind, it wasn't that Trump won, it's that the Democratic Party lost and that the Democratic Party mm -hmm. forgot about the tens of millions of working class people in this country, black and white and Latino, Native American, Asian American people who are struggling. Half of the people in this country are living paycheck to paycheck. Car breaks down, they're in severe trouble, they can't afford to go to the doctor. Right? Those are the folks we have to start paying attention to. And when we do that, you defeat Donald Trump. In 2016, I mean, when, when you ran against Hillary Clinton, you, you made it very clear constantly. You, you, know, you talked about, for instance, the, you know, the first difference is I wouldn't take money from the banks. You made a very clear distinction about the difference between you and Hillary Clinton, that you know, she essentially was, was you know, receiving the largesse of a lot of the corporations that you were talking about. Don't you, do you have to make the same argument now about Joe Biden? I mean, he's, he's essentially standing in the same place. Yeah. Yes, you do. You do. You know, and, 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 you know, the point we made, it is impossible to take on the greed and corruption of the corporate elite if you're taking their money. And, and on that note, let me say something that I'm really very, very proud of. 
and this is, you know, I don't want to, and this is, it, it's just something I'm telling you from my heart, is that right now, as of today, we have received more individual uh, contributions than any candidate at this point in an election in American history. We have close to three, I think we have three million individual contributions from very close to one million individual contributors. So a million people, three million contributions, no candidate in American history at this point in a campaign has ever done that. And these campaigns, there was a piece in the paper the other day, these camp, these contributions are coming from working class people. That's where they're coming from. They're coming from teachers, who I think are a larger single uh, source of, of, of funding. They're coming from workers in Amazon. They're coming from workers in Target. They're coming from waiters and waitresses. This is a working class campaign taking on the corporate elite funded by the working class of this country. We are 100% funded at the grassroots level. Uh, I don't go to wealthy people's homes uh, to raise money. Uh, and our average contribution, God knows what is it, 19 or 20 bucks a piece. And so this is historical. There's never been a campaign that has relied on working class support, financial support, uh, to the degree that we have. And I'm, i got to tell you, I'm extremely proud of that. Was it out, out of bounds last night for Secretary Castro to, to talk about, uh, to, to chide Vice President Biden about, did you forget what you said two minutes ago? There are, there's sort of a controversy about that. And you, think, you, think it's, you think it's a legitimate question to talk about, you know, things like gaffes, inability to string sentences together? Look, you know, all I can tell you, Matt, it, that's not my style. I don't mm-hmm. try to engage in personal attacks on people. Joe Biden and I have enormous differences regarding our voting record and how we envisage the future of this country. Biden voted for the war in Iraq. I opposed it. Biden voted for these terrible trade agreements, NAFTA and PMTR with China, which have cost us over 4 million jobs. I helped lead the opposition against that. Biden voted for the Wall Street bailout. I did everything I could to prevent that. Biden voted for this terrible bankruptcy bill. I voted against it. So, you know, his views, his voting record, very different than mine. His views on health care, on climate, on uh, the needs of working class people are very different. Those are the areas that I will focus on. So who will your running mate be when you uh, win the nomination? Katie volunteers. I volunteer, yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah, Katie, is that a, is, that's right. That's a request for Joe. I'll keep it. Send me your resume. Katie. I will. Yeah, and Matt, and Matt <laughs> okay. has agreed. To, I'm going to release her from the contract. Come so. with me when we yeah. when we stump. Right. Um, well, you know, so I, a vice president needs a staff. Yeah, Matt needs a steady job. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> there you go. And anything you want to say? Because you talk about how un- how lacking substance sometimes these debates can be. Anything that you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say last night? Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed that I didn't have a chance to speak about the racial justice issue. Uh, that I didn't have a chance uh, to speak about immigration. Didn't have a chance to speak about climate change. I am very proud of having introduced by far. Uh, the most comprehensive climate change legislation ever introduced by any presidential candidate. And I've been attacked because it's a very expensive proposal, $16 trillion. It actually pays for itself. But the point that I have made over and over again is what is the alternative in terms of not doing everything humanly possible to combat climate change and transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency. What is the alternative? If we do not do this, what scientists are telling us, you know, 
just stop, stop and think. We're not talking about hundreds of years or thousands of years in terms of extreme weather. Think right now in the last few years what happened in the Bahamas, what's happened in Puerto Rico, what happened in New Orleans, what's happened there. I mean, Houston right now, what has happened in, in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, what we are seeing with our own eyes right now in the United States, not to mention the heat waves in Europe, in Australia, in India, not to mention that hundreds of thousands of people in Guatemala are unable to grow the food that they need in order to feed themselves. Think about that problem becoming much, much worse in years to come. We are literally fighting for the future of the planet. And I don't know how anybody can say we cannot afford to do that, because if we do not, the planet we leave our kids and our grandchildren becomes increasingly unhealthy and uninhabitable. And we just cannot allow that to happen. So I'm proud that our proposal is supported by some major uh, environmental groups. It is the most comprehensive proposal out there. And we have to do nothing less than do everything possible to save this planet. And to people who say you have great ideas, but you can't win the general, what's your response to that? Well, I would suggest to them, take a look at every credible poll done in the last year. Every credible poll has me defeating Donald Trump, sometimes by double-digit uh, figures. Uh, interestingly enough, just a poll came out the other day in Texas, of all places, having me beating Trump by six points which is more than any other Democratic candidate. So we won Wisconsin in the primary process last time. Uh, we won Michigan. I believe we can win Pennsylvania. I believe we can win North Carolina. I believe we can win Texas and some other states that Trump won. Uh, in point of fact, to beat Trump, you're going to need a campaign of energy and excitement. You're going to need to bring young people and working class people into that campaign in a way that we have never, ever seen before. I don't think that status quo politics, the politics of Joe Biden is going to do that. So I think we are the campaign to defeat Donald Trump. All right. Thank you thank so you much, so Senator. Much. Have and a good yeah. trip to Nevada. And next time you're in New York, we'll have to do a face to face interview. All right. Let's do it. Thanks, guys. Take me. care. OK. <laughs> Take thanks care. so much. <laughs> bye bye. Well, that was cool. We talked to Bernie Sanders, and you're going to be end up being his running mate. Yeah, I know. So, we work, San, we'll have to work Sanders Halper 2020. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't so hoarse. I think he had a lot of lozenges or something. Yeah, yeah. Right? It was good that he brought that up because otherwise we would have had to ask him. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Useful idiots. Tune in next week. Yes, and rate and review us, guys. Rate and review. Again, our goal, life goal, hashtag beat goals, pods beat pods pods America. America. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.